Turn your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 15. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, Luke chapter 15. And uh, we're going to read a passage. And uh, this passage, uh, oftentimes the focus is on the Son. Um, but I really want to uh, gear our focus on the Father in this story today. And just like we did for Mother's Day, if you were here for Mother's Day, my wife and I tag teamed it. And we shared principles um, out, of the, out of the Scripture and out of the Bible uh, about moms. And, um, and uh, we, we had a good time doing that. We thought, let's do the same thing for Father's Day. And so today, we're going we're gonna to read this passage, and we're going to pull some, some thoughts from this passage about this dad. And uh, one thing we have to understand is this, is first and foremost, this is a picture in Luke chapter 15 of our Heavenly Father. And that's why it's so crucial that you and I understand the role of a father and what a father should look like. Because if we have the wrong view of a father, we have the wrong view of our dad, then what can happen? And sometimes that does happen because of the way dad behaved or the way he treated uh, you or the mom. Uh, but what happens is if we begin to have a distorted view of dad, that, that distortion can be put on God himself because we know him as our heavenly father. And so first and foremost, this, this passage is about our heavenly father. But not only that, you're going to see here great principles. And you sitting here today and say, great, I'm not a dad. I'm a woman. I'll never be a dad. Uh, listen to me. These are great principles. If you are married, these are great principles to, to push your husband towards. Okay? Uh, maybe you're not married. These are great principles or great qualities to look for in your future husband. All right? So this message today is not just for dads. This message today is for everyone here. And as you begin to look at these qualities, okay, I believe this, that you will begin to find that future mate. Come on, if you're single, say amen. Okay, only say amen if you want to get married someday. All right. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a dad in here, man, these are things to strive to be like. Um, we're not, you know, once again, we're not expecting everybody to be perfect. But here's the thing. If we don't have a picture of what to look at, how can we become like that? And so we want to paint the picture uh, for future fathers, paint the pictures for current dads, and paint the picture for all the ladies looking for a future man. Come on, ladies, give me an amen. All right. Well, they're not excited. Okay. guess they don't want to get married. Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse, verse 11, Luke 15, starting in verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. 
And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received back, he was received back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive, and he was lost, and now he is found. Let me just pray one more time. God, thank you for your word, and I thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, speak to us in the next few moments that we have together. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. A minister was walking down a country lane, and he sees a young farmer struggling to load hay back on the cart after it had fallen off. You look hot, my son, said the, said the minister. Why don't you rest a moment and I will give you a hand? No thanks, said the young man. My father wouldn't like it. Don't be silly, the minister said. Everyone is entitled to a break. Come over here and have a drink of water. Again, the young man protested that his father would be very upset. Losing his patience, the minister said, Your father must be a real slave driver. Tell, him where I can, tell me where I can find him and I'll give him a piece of my mind. Well, replied the young farmer, he's under the load of hay. Under, did you get that? The hay fell. Dad's under it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> this minister had 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 a conception of what the father must must be like based on this what this son was saying. But but here's the thing you got to understand about the story is that that the minister didn't understand that he was under a load of hay. Are you with me? Okay. Here's what I believe. I believe that dads sometimes get a bad rap in our society, but no one takes time to look at the stresses and the concerns and the cares and the worries and the fears and the hay, if you will, that is laying on top of them. Are you with me this morning? And so what happens is we begin to make an assessment just based on, on what somebody's saying or, or based on what we've heard. And so because of that assessment on based on what we heard or, or what somebody said, we now begin to put something on a dad that really isn't meant to be there. Are you with me this morning? I believe this, especially in the culture that we're living in right now, there is a lot of stress on dads, okay? Especially in the economic uh, stuff that's going on because dads are losing their jobs, okay? Now, we don't have time to talk about it this morning, but if we understand that the dad is the head of the household, we understand something. We understand that that is not just something that is cultural. We understand that that is something that is biblical, and we have to understand that it's biblical because if we understand that it's biblical, we see this. We see that dad then is supposed to be the protector and the provider for the home. And if that role, which it is right now in our culture, begins to get stripped away from him, okay, what happens is, is he begins to feel insecure. He begins to feel like, where's my place? What's my position? If that role gets stripped from dad, culture begins to get off. Are you with me this morning? And so we have to understand what the biblical role is of a dad. We have to understand what the Bible says about our fathers. And we're going to look at this story today, and we're going to realize, yeah, there's a lot on dad, but we can do some things to help out this morning, okay? Um, I had a great example of a father. 
Once again, I, I love sharing this. My parents just celebrated their 51st wedding anniversary. My dad is going to be celebrating his 80th birthday this summer, and we're going to be going up there to celebrate, him, celebrate it with him. I think that's a good landmark, 80 years old, uh, 51 years of marriage. And so we're going to go up there, and we're going to celebrate. But I had a great role model as a father. Matter of fact, I can stand here today and say that, that, that my dad is one of my heroes. Now, I know that some of you sitting out there, maybe you've lost your dad, or maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your dad, and you can't say that, but I can only speak from my perspective. My wife's going to share from hers, but uh, for me, my dad is one of my heroes. And you say, why, why, is, why is my dad one of my heroes? Is it because he was perfect? No, it wasn't because he was perfect. Is it because he did everything right? No, it's not because he did everything right. Is it because he ripped off his shirt and had an S with a cape? No, I've never seen him do that, thank God. But... My dad is one of my heroes because he let me, saw, uh, let me see him at his best and he let me see him at his worst. My dad showed, showed me when he was happy and he also showed me when he was down. Uh, my, dad did not, my dad did not sugarcoat anything. He didn't candy coat anything. But he also didn't act out of, out of anger, out of rage. He took time to explain to me. Man, when he was happy, he celebrated with me. When he was sad, man, he would go away and be sad for a while, but he would come back and he would be with me and say, Ben, this is what's going on in our family. We need to pray together. And my dad is one of my heroes today because I believe I am who I am today uh, because of my dad and him being such a, a great role model uh, for me. Uh, but once again, uh, it wasn't because he did everything right. It was just simply because he showed me both sides and explained both sides to me. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's not your story. Maybe your story is more like my wife's. Yeah, my, my story, some of you have heard before, I grew up in a, in a home, in a divorced home. My dads are amazing. I have two dads, and so I get to celebrate two of them today um, my father my biological father Tom and my um, my other father stepfather Erling or Rocky as we like to call him um, so I, I grew up um, and in in middle school years my my father and mother got divorced and so my dad was not in the picture and um, and we did our best to try to spend time with one another but for the most part through those years and on into high school, I didn't have a strong relationship with my father. That relationship was, um, uh, had some strain, obviously, because of his presence was no longer with me. I no longer has, had his presence in my life. My mom remarried uh, my dad, uh, Erling, and uh, later on in um, eighth grade, I believe it was, and, and I had a great father in him. But because of my experience of having my mom and dad divorced and my dad leaving the home, I, it was as though there was this big wall that I had put up in my life that I wouldn't let that wall come down and let my new dad, my, my father, come into my life and really fill that role and allowing his presence to really be with me as my dad. I would let him, I would keep him at a distance and in arm's, arm's distance and we were kind of buddies but not really dad to me. And so... Um, maybe your story is a little bit more like mine. Maybe your experience is a little bit more like mine where your relationship with your father is strained, whether it be because of distance, whether it be because he was not there in your life. Maybe he passed away. Um, but I, I, I'm here to tell you today that, that I have an incredible relationship with my dads. Um, with, my, my, with my real dad, it, it's, been, it's been difficult. We've had our challenges, but we're both making our efforts to stay connected and, and grow in that relationship. And my, my father, Erling, um, has been an incredible dad. And it ha hasn't been until recently that I've realized just how amazing of a father he has been to me um, throughout all these years. And so maybe, you're, maybe your experience is, is much like mine. And Ben uh, made a comment about how uh, really we need to understand the role of the father because it, 
describes Jesus Christ's role with his church and with his people. And so for me, when I came to know God and I began to hear that God is my heavenly father, that was difficult for me to understand. It was difficult for me to hear that God will never leave me nor forsake me, um, that he's always with me. I don't understand that because of my past experiences. Um, but I can tell you today that I believe that God is going to restore that understanding back to you, that, that many of you that are here today that haven't had a father in your life, that he is here this morning and he wants to be your father, that he wants to be your heavenly father, and, and he wants to come and fill that role that, that has been missing in your life. And, and so I can tell you today, I, I didn't have a great relationship with my dads. I do today, and we're working on that today. Um, but I've come to understand who God is in my life and who my my Heavenly Father is, and because of that, um, I believe uh, that I, I experience a relationship with my husband that I do today because I've come to understand who my Heavenly Father is, and because of understanding who he is, I have a greater understanding of what my dads have gone through and who my, who my fathers are, and so um, whether you come from either one of those perspectives, I believe God is going to speak to you today and speak to each one of us today. Uh, the, here, I want to talk to the men and all the dads. Uh, but ladies, listen in and take good notes, okay? Uh, because here's the thing. Literally by makeup, by design, okay? And I believe this with all my hearts. Men, dads, you're heroes, okay? And you're superheroes, okay? You say, Ben, why do you say that? If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, and I just want to read it to you. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 says this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its savior, what is that? That's a superhero. Are you with me? Okay. Is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything to their husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, listen to this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that he might present her to the church, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, uh, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, what did Jesus Christ do for the church? Okay. If you understand your Bible, Jesus what? He died on the cross. Okay. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying this. Men, guess what? You're heroes. Okay. Not by choice, but by design. Okay. Now, many men flee from this. Okay. I understand that. Many men run from their calling. Okay. Many men, men hide. Okay. Um, and they hide from that. But listen to me, guys. By makeup, by design, by the way God created you, you are a hero. Okay. What is a hero? A hero is a rescuer. A hero is a provider. A hero is a protector. And this is, once again, not something that you might look around society and you might be like, wow, I don't really see that, okay? Here's the problem. Somewhere in our society, things went off, okay? I, I don't know. What is it? Chivalry? Is that the right word? Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to the guy opening the door for the girl? Come okay? on. Whatever happened to guy actually paying for dinner, Okay. What happened to the guy pulling the seat out for the girl and pushing it in? And, I, and all the girls are like, mm-hmm, where did that go, okay? And, and you, you kind of got, got to ask that question every now and then because, honestly, what happened to that? It wasn't that long ago where, where it wasn't that you just opened the door for your, your wife or you just opened the door for a girl that you thought was hot, okay? <laughs> all right? Okay? It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that you just, hey, go send that girl over there a drink, you know? Okay, no. What, what, what happened to that? 
Okay, because here's the thing, all right? That is the makeup of a guy. A guy and here's the thing that happens, all right? You've got to understand this now, that it gets so off that now, you know, chivalry is dead, all right? It really is, okay? We want to bring it back in the church, okay? So at the end of the day, I want to see all the guys running out there opening the car doors for the girls, okay? But we really need to bring it back. And here's the thing, like the video, Dad, I'm watching you, okay? Listen to me. People are watching and they are looking for role models. They are looking for people that can show them how a man or how a dad or how a husband is supposed to act, okay? And we've got to take initiative as men in the church, okay? We're not to be passive. We're not to be like, just lay back, like, oh, all the women can do all the work, okay? No, we're to take action. We're to, we're to, we're to be strong. And go, man, and here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing that, that, that's a bummer in church, okay? Is that, is that sometimes now, because chivalry's so dead, if a guy opens the door for the girl gossip starts like oh he likes her oh what's going on there he got her door no he's being a hero okay he's being the guy he's being the person that god created him to be so stop gossiping all right okay let the guy get the door can i I just gotta say this okay i gotta say this to the ladies all right okay ladies stop being so bullheaded that you think you can do everything thank you brandon okay i'm just gonna say it right now Okay, because, uh, because something went off, chivalry's dead, okay? Now, but now here's this thing. There's this thing I see. I see it all the time where, where maybe the guy will go get the door, okay? And they'll be like, I can get my own door. Yeah. True. You're crushing the superhero, okay? Uh-huh. Every time a guy opens a door for a girl, okay, and I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? It's not just girls that he likes, okay? But if you open the door for a lady, it's kind of like, man, you just kind of feel like, man... Big S on my chest, cape starts flapping in the wind, okay? It's like, it's like, you know, every door I get, it's like, you know, more muscles. You know, I feel like a superhero, okay? Not because, not because like, oh, you know, she's hot, you know? It's just like, it's the right thing to do. Can I just say that this morning, okay? Because that is the makeup of who we are. But then there's these girls that are like, you know, they're like, they're like carrying in this big chair and they're struggling. And a guy comes up, he's like, can I help you? And he's like, no, I got it. Yeah. Okay, I'm not even a girl, and if someone offers me help, I'm like, yeah, take it, thanks. <laughs> you know, I don't, maybe that's my feminine side coming in. I don't know, but it's like, yeah, please, help, you know. But honestly, there's some, and, and I've seen it, okay, and I've seen it in the world and in the church. Ladies, stop being so bullheaded, all right? Let the guy be the rescuer, okay? If nothing else, okay, you're building his confidence, all right? And don't think like, oh, he must like me. He offered to help me carry this really heavy thing, you know? No, he's being a guy. All right, he's being, he's being the person that God created him to be. Are you with me this morning? And some, honestly, ladies, you need to hear this because you can help the guy get back to where he's supposed to be, okay? All right, even if you have to, like, fake it, like, oh, my gosh, this is so heavy, you know? I can't lift it. And if the guys just keep walking by, just keep pretending, all right? Man, this is so my back, you know? And then the guy comes, picks up, like, oh, wow, I'm really strong, you know? Okay? Help the guys out a little bit, will you? Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen it. I've seen it before, and and um, you know, I I see it. I think every morning and every evening on Sundays when we're setting up and tearing down. I remember when Ben was Ben was gone. He was off in Columbia, and uh, we had the the trailer. We unload and set all this up every morning, and and there were some there were some things in the in the trailer that were quite heavy. But you know, I, I could have gotten it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a strong woman and, um, I've got some guns and we joke around about that sometimes. Um, but I, I was just looked at him and I was like, you know what? I could get that. And then I saw one of the guys come walking up and, and he just was like, what, what else is there in the trailer? And I was like, oh, 
you know what, there's these two boxes, you know, could you get those? And he's just like, yeah, you know what, I got those. I got them handled. And he grabbed, and I watched that guy, and he just, he handled it. And you know what, at that moment, could I have done it? Yeah, I could have done it. And by me not doing it, it wasn't me saying that I was weak. It was just me saying, you know what, I'm going to be strong when I'm going to step aside and let you do it. <laughs> and I'll save myself the energy. Um, but I, I walked away, and I saw that guy, you know, his head held up, and he was like, I'm the man, you know. And, and can I say this to the guys? He said that to ladies, and I, I echo that. Um, I agree with that completely as a woman. Um, I, I watch some ladies, and, and I think, you know, honey, you're, you're really hurting yourself if you're looking for a guy to come and be that prince and rescue you and, and sweep you off your feet. You're looking for that knight in shining armor. Um, you know, it, he's, he's watching, and he's looking at you, and you, if you can handle everything on your own, and I'm not to say that you can't, but if you, you're just like, I'm my own woman, and I can do all things, and I have no need of you, then he's going to walk by, and he's going to look for a woman that he can rescue, that he can come and really come alongside and be that support and be that, be that for her. And so, ladies, don't shoot yourself in the foot, all right? Step back every once in a while. Let the men be the men and do that thing. But guys, can I say this to you men? Um, some of you, I know, you, you see those strong women and you, you, know, you see that strength in them, um, don't step back when they say that they don't need your help or when they're communicating that through their body language or through their actions. Really deep down inside, even though she may not be communicating it, she wants you to be that prince. She wants you to be that knight in shining armor. Even though she says she's strong, and she is, even though she can probably do it by herself, she can, but she wants you to step up. She wants you to be strong. She wants you to put her in her place and say, honey, you know what, why don't you take a seat and rest and let me get that box. Let me take care of that thing. Let me, you know, handle that for you. Um, she really does want you to do that. Deep down inside, every woman wants a man to come sweep her off their, her feet because, you know, it starts at a young age. Ben said it before. You see the little boys with the swords and you know, riding the horse, and you see the little girls with the dresses and the cute little shoes and the little tiaras on and their little, you know, their uh, wands. You know, they run around with their little wands. She it begins. I come the little girl. <laughs> I know, what do they I'm call sorry. that thing? <laughs> yeah, the wand. Okay, I was great. I trying to remember what it's called. <laughs> But it begins at that age. It begins young. And, and nobody has to teach them how to do that. It, you know, it, you see it, you know, play out on the playground. Um, you see it with the little boys and, and the little girls. I, I see it in, in Faith's classroom in preschool. Um, you know, the, the little boys come alongside and they're wanting to, you know, picking things up for her and trying to carry things for her. And it's just so adorable. And she totally plays into it. And it's like, yeah, carry that for me, you know. And the little boy, little Jack, is carrying this stuff for her. And, and it begins at a young age. What is that? What does that say? That says it's something that's built inside of every man something that's inside of every woman, that that's, that's who you're created to be. You're, you're the rescuer. You're the, you're, the, you're the strong man in the family. And so rise up, be that, um, rescue her, even though it looks like she doesn't want you to. Yeah, because here's the thing. What we're saying might not be cult, make sense culturally, uh, but you know what? We're not here to do what's culturally acceptable. We're here to do what's biblically acceptable. And if you look at the role of the woman, you look at the role of the man, we just laid it out for you. Now listen to me. Okay, that is not that we're looking for weak, passive women, okay? Um, we're not looking for that. Women can be strong, man. They can have a vision for their life. They can be in the will of God. But at the same time, I'm, I'm telling you right now, this message might set some of you free, okay? And we might be doing a ton of weddings, you know, within the next two weeks, okay? All right? 
Make yourself available, okay? Because here's the thing. The guy is supposed to be the one wearing the armor. But if you're wearing the armor, ladies, he walks by, he, just, he thinks you're a man, okay? Because he can't see through the armor. I'm just going to say how it is, okay? Oh. All right, take your armor off, put on your beautiful ball gown, and let the guy be the knight, you be the princess, and let's get some people married, have some babies, and enjoy life, okay? Moving right <laughs> along. Wow. All right. Man, happy Father's Day, everybody. <laughs> Uh, you know, as I, I am a dad, and so I can speak from this perspective. I have two beautiful daughters. And um, you know what? I try to take on the role that my dad did. I, I try to mimic my dad, first and foremost, my Heavenly Father, but secondly, because my dad was such a great example. And, and, and you know, it's our job to set that. Just like I said, Dad, I'm watching you. And I realized something at a really young age of my daughters that they're watching me. Uh, it's real easy if you're a parent and you want to know where your child learned that, just go look in the mirror. You know, uh, you know, where did my daughter learn that language? Well, listen to yourself talk for a little bit. You know, where did my daughter learn to slap that? Well, you know, okay, whatever it is. All right. Uh, it, honestly, if you, I used to work with four, five, and six-year-olds, and I could tell by the behavior of those five, four, five, and six-year-olds what was happening in the home. And I could tell you some tragic stories. They're watching you. And I understand that my daughters are watching me. And so you know what I do? I not only set an example for them for their future, um, but I set an example for them, uh, you know, for their future husband, how they should look at their dad in the future. One thing I do, and I started this last year because I think Carr is old enough, is I started taking her on daddy-daughter dates. And I'm not just like talking. I take her to a movie. That was cute. Uh, she gets all dressed up. I get all dressed up. And I go spend a lot of money on her. Um, we went to one of the nicest restaurants not too long ago uh, in, in uh, downtown San Diego, Greystone Steakhouse. And uh, we walked in, and her eyes were just like beaming out of her head. And she's like, Daddy, this is fancy. And uh, when we got our own little private table with the candle lit, and the waitress came over, and the waitress was just like loving it and, and, and everything. And, man, she would look so beautiful with her little curls in her hair. And we sat there, and I got her a filet mignon. And I knew she wasn't going to be able to eat it all, but that's okay. I could eat it later. Are you with me? <laughs> Okay, and I, I got her, man, we did, we did appetizer, we did the salad, man, she was so full after the salad, she could barely get the steak down, um, but we had so much fun, we ordered sparkling water, and uh, we just had a great time, and the waitress came over, and she said exactly, she said, you know what's so great about this, and I said, what's that, she said, she's going to look at this date, and she's going to compare every date she ever goes on to this one right here, and I just winked at the waitress, and I said, that's exactly what I want to do, because uh, no man is going to take my daughter to McDonald's and call it a date, are you with me? And so uh, I, I set the example. Now my daughter knows if the date doesn't compare to that nice graystone steakhouse, she's going to run from that guy. Are you with me? That's okay. Right. Not only that, when I mess up at home and maybe I got a little bit upset with my wife, which happens like once every 10 years, um, I, I, and, and it's in front of them, I make sure that I pull the girls in and say, hey, look, what daddy said to mommy was wrong. Will you forgive me? Why? Because I want them to know in the future that's how her husband ought to treat them, but that's also how her husband ought to treat their future children. That's right. And so... Because this, this is how I see it, and I describe it to, to ladies, is, you know, the Bible says that, that our Heavenly Father, He is a, our King. God is our King, and He is our Heavenly Father. And so the way I see it, based on that, that God is our King, yet He's our Heavenly Father, really, that's, that's, that's God, that's in the spiritual, well, in the natural, fathers, you are the King of the household. Fathers, you are the King. And what does a King do? A King 
sets the order in the kingdom. A king uh, is a protector. He protects those princesses and those princes. Uh, a king sets an example for every prince, uh, every son that he has, uh, how a king should react, how a king should respond, how a king should, should behave in, in the kingdom and how he should lead a kingdom. And every, every little girl looks at that king and knows what she should expect and what she should, what she should have in that future prince that she's going to marry one day. And so that's what, that's what we're saying today, that fathers, you are the king of the household, just as God is our king of kings and Lord of lords, and you have been set as the king in that home, and you're the protector, you're, you're, the, you're the one that sets the order, and you've got princes and you've got princesses that are looking to you to know what that king is supposed to look like, so that one day when that little girl gets married, she marries the right prince. Okay, she's not marrying some, you know, pauper. She's not, you know, she finds a prince. And, and princes, you know, there are princes out there. There are sons that are looking at you, really longing to learn what it is to be a king and to, to live right. And, and dads, the way that you are in your home and the example that you set is not only for your children, but it, it, it is a picture of our, our Heavenly Father. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. And so people are watching you yeah. as we saw on the screen. And this is, once again, this is for, for everyone in here. Uh, it, you know, because even though you might not have your own kids, um, you, somebody's looking at you and wanting to know how to be able to, how is that? Let's look at that. How is a king supposed to behave in his own home? And we're going to finish up here in the next 10 minutes. Let's just give you some principles. If you're a note taker, you want to write these down. If you're a woman, write them down. This is your future husband, all right? Uh, number one, and these are taken right from Luke 15, all right? Right from Luke 15, number one, just there's ten things that we're going to go through real quickly that we see in this passage that a father, that a man, that a dad, that a superhero ought to look like. Okay, number one, what is it? Uh, the dad communicated with his kids. Where do we see that? How do we know the dad communicated with his kids? The son knew that he was getting an inheritance and how much that inheritance would be. That only came from communication with his father. Okay, because we see the son go and say, Dad, can I get what's mine? I'm out of here. Okay? And the dad gave it to him. So number one, as a superhero, as a dad, as a man, and women, you might like this one, communicate, talk, all right? Open your mouth, all right? Um, this is key, not just in this relationship, but really in every relationship. I'm convinced if marriages would talk more, they would have less problems, okay? A lot of people say that finance is the number one problem in marriage. The only reason it's the number one problem in marriage is because they don't communicate about it. Are you with me? Yeah. Communication is so essential. It's so important. And dads, uh, so much for your kids. I know, I, here's, here's how I do it. I work till about 3.30, and then every day I go with my, my wife, or sometimes by myself. Uh, well, first it starts in the morning. I drop my kids off at school every day. Uh, my job allows me that, and so um, I go every day. I drop them off at school. I walk them in. I give them a kiss on the way. I say a prayer with them. They know, and if I forget, sure enough, without fail, my kids are like, Dad, prayers. We've got to say prayers, okay? What do we do? We turn off the radio, we say prayers, and we talk about the day. And we communicate with one another. At 3.30, I shut all my work down. Say, man, that must be a nice job. Quit at 3.30. Well, I go back to work from 7 to 9 at night after they're in bed. But uh, at 3.30, I shut everything down, and we go pick them up, and we'll spend time together. We'll go to the park. We'll talk about the day. Uh, I'll ask them about their day. Here's the thing. It can't just be time at a movie, okay? Movies, I mean, movies are fun, but there's no communication going on. I'm talking about un uninterrupted quality time that dads need to spend with their kids. This is where they learn behavior. This is where they learn uh, what, what their future husband should look like. Are you with me this morning? Okay. So this dad, he communicated with his kids. Dads, 
communicate with your kids. And telling them to go clean up the room is not communication. Okay? Hey, go clean up your room. Eat your dinner. Turn that off. Wash your hands. Okay, that's not communication. Okay? Communication is, baby, how was your day? Okay? And they might fumble over their words because they're four and six. But you know what? It means so much. I realized this yesterday, how much the time I spent with my kids meant. Because my kids, because today they knew that it was church all day long. They, they, they planned out the whole day. They went to mom and said, mom, this is what we want to do. We want to take them out to eat, which we did. Uh, then we want to take them bowling, which we did. And then we want to take them shopping, which they did. And it was so cool. They had the money in their purse and they went up and paid for it. Um, it was just, honestly, it was an amazing day. And uh, why is that? I believe, yeah, I believe it's because I spend time with my children. Uh, number two. How is the superhero supposed to look? Number two, um, the dad was not heavy-handed, okay? Um, there are a lot of people that, that believe that the heavy-handed dad is the way to run a household, okay? Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that you don't punish your kids, all right? I believe in the spoon of correction, all right? I use a spoon because the Bible says use a rod of correction. I don't have a rod, but I do have a spoon in my drawer, okay? And if one spoon's missing, there's always another one, okay? Sometimes it's the slotted spoon. Sometimes it's the, okay. Anyway, um, Listen to me, I am not saying not to discipline your kids. Please discipline your kids. That's very biblical. But I'm saying this, you don't have to be heavy-handed. Um, this dad realized, okay, number one, he communicated. The son knew, hey, there's something for me. Number two, he wasn't heavy-handed. When the son came and said, dad, can I have what's mine? What did the dad do? He gave it to him. He said, here, you've earned it. Whether you're, however you're going to spend it doesn't matter because you have earned it. You're my son, okay? And he gave him all of that stuff. The Bible says this in Colossians 3.21. It says, don't provoke your children to wrath. Okay? Don't provoke them to wrath. Love on them. Discipline is a part of that, but a heavy hand is not. Are you with me this morning? Don't be heavy handed. Yeah. Um, also, we see that the, this father was fair. And how do we see that? Well, in verse 17, the, the son takes his belongings, he goes and he squanders it, doing all these different things. And, and it came to a point where he's, you know, in, in, in with the pigs, all right? And it says in verse 17 that he came to himself. And he realized how many of his father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare. And yet he was perishing with hunger. We see that this father was fair. And, and he, not, he didn't just treat his sons well, but he treated his servants well. He, every, and I think, of, I think of my dad. And, and when, when we call him at work, or I know that when he comes down here and he's spending time with us, he's on vacation, he'll get an email from his boss. And, and I'll, I'll run across it and I'll read it. And it's just hilarious. It's funny. And, and he'll get on the phone with his boss. And they're joking around and they're laughing. He is the same with them as he is with us. And I watch him when, when I see another family member of ours in need. He isn't, just, he isn't just taking care of us as his kids, but he's taking care of those family members. I'll never forget when my cousin Sunday and her son got sick and they ended up in the hospital. My dad and my mom were there and they were in that hospital and they were helping take care of them and they were taking care of their needs. And I see the way that he treats not only my brother and I, but I see the way he treats our extended family. I see the way that he treats his, those that he works with and I see that he, he, he is the same in every setting. And that's that's really what this son saw. The son saw, he was like, what am I doing? I'm sitting in a pit with a bunch of pigs and, and I'm looking and I'm realizing, man, my father took care of his servants and he took care of them well. And I'm a son and I'm sitting here. What in the world am I doing? And so dads, what is that? That's communicating your, your, your fair, it's really communicating a consistency. 
You're consistent in your actions. You're consistent in your behavior. You're consistent in the way that you treat others. And our kids and your kids need to see that in you, and they're looking for that in you. Number four, we see that the dad was faith-filled. We see the dad was faithful. How do we see that he was faithful? The Bible says that when the son came to himself and said, I'm going to head home, that he started headed home. And the Bible says this, when he was a long way off, the dad saw him and ran to him and had compassion on him. What does that show me? That shows me this, that every night, that dad was probably every morning, he was walking out there with hope in his heart, with faith in his spirit, saying, man, today's the day my son is coming home today's the day that he's going to return. How was it that he saw him a long ways off? It's because every day, I believe this, because I'm a dad now. I know this with all my heart, that if my daughters ever did something dumb and walked away from Jesus Christ, that every morning and every night, I would be on my hands and knees, and I'll be crying out to God, God, would you save him? God, would you bring him back? Is that pity? No, that's faith, and that's hope. And this dad had faith and hope enough so to where he would stand maybe on the hill looking over the horizon and say, man, it's today the day. It's today the day. And we don't know how much time has passed other than the brother further on says all these years i've been with you and i've got nothing think about this now think about how many days that dad went out there and waited today's the day my son's coming home what is that that's a faith-filled dad that is a hope-filled dad and one thing i love about my dad is man he had some bad days and he would explain those bad days to me but i'll tell you this just like jesus what did jesus do in his most crucial hour you see that he took all 12 of his disciples but he only went a little further with three of them and he only let three of them see that side where he was crying out saying hey look if this cup can pass from me please let it pass okay why is that? Because Jesus, obviously, is the cornerstone. He's our role model. Jesus was our, our model for faith. And dads, can I just say this? Man, I know that things get ugly sometimes in the family. I know that, that sometimes things get ugly in the finances. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, you have to be the one that stands there with hope in your heart, with faith in your spirit, saying, this is going to work out. I know it's going to work out. This is going to turn around. This is going to come about. My marriage is going to work out. The finances are going to work out. The kids are going to come back. Are you with me this morning? Be faith-filled. Be hope-filled. So good. And we also see that this father, and Ben mentioned it briefly, was compassionate. This father had a compassion um, for his son. It, we see that when he goes running to his son, and, and he, he shows compassion, um, embracing him. And, and really, dads, your, your children need to see that compassionate side of you. And my husband is an incredible example of that. Um, and I know that he got it from his father, um, where he shows his compassion. He shows the more sensitive side. And I don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't know where in society men learn this, that men don't cry. You know, men don't cry. Well, yeah, you know what? Sometimes men cry, and it's okay, and it's good for your sons, it's good for your daughters to see you cry, to be compassionate, um, to maybe be hurting, to, um, to love, show that love and show that compassion. This dad went running. He didn't stop at just running and then stop there, but this dad went running, and he embraced that son, and you got to think the son came from where the pigs were, so he was probably smelly. He probably looked extremely dirty, but this, this father had such compassion and such love for his son that he went running to him. And even though he was filthy, even though he was probably dirty and looking gross, he went and he loved on him. And, and your sons, your daughters, and, and those of us that maybe you don't have a, a father in your life, your heavenly father 
has compassion for you. And how do we see that? We see that in the, in the greatest way that God had such compassion and such love for each and every one of us that the Bible says that he sent his only son. God so loved the world. God had so much compassion for you and I. God had so much love for each one of his children that he sent his only son to die for us. That is God showing his love for us. That is God showing his compassion for us. And dads, there's no greater thing when your sons and your daughters and your wife sees you having compassion and having love and showing that more sensitive side. They need to see that. It's okay to cry. It's okay to show that sensitivity sensitivity um, and, and, and it's good and they need to learn from that. Next, we see that he took initiative. Dads, superheroes, husbands, fathers, you take initiative. We see that he did not wait for his son. Oh, there's my son. Okay, cool. He's coming home and waited. We see that he ran. He did not just walk. He did not just, no, he ran to his son. What does that show me? Dads take initiative. Dads don't wait for the son, the daughter, or even the wife, but dads are the first to go. Dads take the initiative and go the extra mile and go to them. Uh, this is one of the things that my dad modeled for me and I model in our relationship. Um, when things aren't going right in the house, um, even when it's my wife's fault, and she would attest to this. I'm taking the initiative. I can't stand it when things are off in my home. I can't stand it when there's no peace. I can't stand it, uh, whether, whether it was a work thing or whether I did it or whatever it might be. I'm the first to say, hey, what's going on? Let's talk about it. Let's fix this. Let's, you know, that, that's the cool thing about dads, okay? The kids run to the dad and say, you know, daddy, what do they? Fix it, okay? All right? Dad, can you figure why? Because they've learned, all right, that dads know how to fix things. Even if we don't, we fake it, okay? Um, but dads, take the initiative. I, I've seen this far too, uh, far too many times in, in broken homes where the dad is embittered or the dad is upset or whatever it is, and the dad will say, no, my, my daughter needs to come to or my son needs to come to me and, and where are they at and what? No. Dads, run to your kids. Take the initiative. Show them the example. Pave the way. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever we do, the next generation will follow, either good or bad. If we do really bad, they're going to take it to the extreme and do worse. But if we begin to, how are we going to change a culture? We're going to change a culture by taking the word of God, applying godly principles and godly morals and godly examples to our lives as fathers, as moms in our marriages, sons, daughters, whatever it is. And we begin to do that. It might take 5, 10, 15 years, but we can begin to change a culture. Dads, take initiative. Do what you have to do, okay? As Christ, do you think it was easy for Christ to lay down his life? No, it wasn't. We see it very clearly, okay? It wasn't, but he took the initiative. God took the initiative, sending his only son, okay? We have to take the initiative as men, okay? In our marriages, okay? We have to take the initiative as men with our children. Are you with me? Take the initiative, go the extra mile, and do like he did and run, yeah, and we see that this dad was quick to forgive. The son begins to, to say to him, you know, I, I've sinned and I've, I've done all of this and, and I, you know, I'm only good enough. I, can, I should only be one of your servants. I should just be treated as one of your servants. But we see that this, this father was quick to forgive. He heard those words come from his son and no, no, no more than a second after that passed, what was that dad doing? That dad was putting clothes on him. That dad was putting shoes on him. That dad was throwing a party for him. What does that communicate? That's communicated a forgiveness, being quick to forgive, to let go of what happened, and to move forward and celebrate that son's return. And I see that with my husband, and sometimes it drives me nuts. I'll just be honest with you. Because me, um, I forgive 
but maybe not so quickly. <laughs> um, but my husband is an incredible example of being quick to forgive and just let go and move forward. And he models that for me. And sometimes it bugs me because he'll just be like, um, I'll come to him and I'll say, you know, will you forgive me? He just looks at me. He's like, yeah, I forgive you. And then just gives me a big hug and a kiss and goes on with the day and like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, but wait, we need to talk about this. Like, I need to describe why I acted the way that I did. And let's have a conversation, a little powwow. And are you okay with this? And uh, are you upset with me? And But he, he is so quick to forgive and just be like, yeah, it's done. It's non-issue anymore. Let's move on. And I, I know that, that he, he sets that example for our girls that when our children and even I see that and being quick to forgive, I see and it, it shows me, you know, that example of who Christ is and how quickly God forgives us. And, and our Heavenly Father, man, the minute we come, the Bible says the minute we come and we confess our wrong and we confess our sin to God, it says what? He's faithful and just to forgive us. And he doesn't hold those things against us. But he forgives, and he says, okay, let's go. The Bible says that whoever's in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And we see that, that this father forgave quickly, embraced his son, closed his son, put shoes on his feet, and then began to have a party. And so dads, be quick to forgive. Don't hold on to those, those things. Don't become bitter. Let go, forgive, and, and move on and set that example. We also see... That, uh, that this, this dad loved him through the worst and the best. Okay? This father loved this son through the worst and through the best. The, the, the Bible says here in this story that, that in the beginning, he loved his son and he gave him his part. And he loved his son so much, he was like, son, you're wanting what, what is, it, is coming to you. I love you and I'm going to give it to you. And he loved his son's son in the midst of his son leaving and, and spending all that money. And when that son came back, he loved him so much, he was quick to forgive. And he, like I said, he put those clothes on, those shoes on. He killed that, that animal, and they had a party. That, that dad loved him through the worst, loved him through the best. In, that, in that, the, the moment when he returned, and he probably smelled, he probably looked dirty, he was probably disgusting, those those clothes were just gross looking. He took those off, gave him the right robe, and put it on him. And the dad loved him in that moment as well as in, in the better moments. And, and I see that with, with my dad. I, I, I remember having a conversation over the phone with, with my dad, my stepfather, and I began to talk to him about some things that took place in, in our past and some actions that I, I had and some things that I had done. And we talked about some stuff. And, and he said to me, he's like, you know what, honey, it doesn't matter. He said, I, we love you. Your mom and I, we love you. You know that. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter. We, we love you no matter what. We loved you in those moments, and we love you now. And our love for you didn't change. And I, when I heard those words, honestly, um, when I heard those words from my dad, it did something on the inside of me. It just brought a peace that was just like, Phew. I knew it, but to hear him say it was a whole other thing. And this son didn't just know that his dad loved him, okay? The son heard the love of his father, saw the love of his father. And so dad's, when you, when you love through the worst and the best, um, it, it does something amazing to your children. It brings a peace knowing that they're loved, and, and that love is an unconditional love. And the cool thing is, once again, as we close here right now, the cool thing is this, is that the Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus, 
He is the one. He is our heavenly Father. He's our God is, but Jesus, we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we can look at Jesus as the role model who loved us in the good times and the bad times. The Bible says that even if we are to live like hell or make our bed in the pit of hell, guess what? Jesus is right there. What is that? That's him loving us in the worst times. I know that we're not going to physically go make our bed in the pit of hell, but if we begin to live like hell and we begin to make dumb decisions and we begin to make dumb choices, am I the only one that's done that before? Okay, and we begin to do that, that Jesus is right there loving me back to him in the good times and the bad times. And as we close this morning, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. And we didn't get through all ten, but we got through eight of them. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we close this morning. And this is what I want to do this morning as I begin to pray. I I want you to begin to think first and foremost about where you're at with God. I want you to begin to think right now about, you know, when I look at God, what do I see? Do I see my dad, whether he was a good dad or a bad dad? What do I see when I begin to look at that? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that God, no matter what our, our earthly fathers may have been like, that we have a great heavenly father. We have a Father in heaven that loved us so much that sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us that if we just open up the door and let Him come in, that we could have that eternal life, that we could have that hope, that we could have that strength, that we could have that role model picture of what life is supposed to be like. Lord, I thank You. God, once again, I honor all the dads here this morning. And God, I honor the dads that are absent. And God, I pray that this church, Lord God, and the church at large will begin to set the example once again of what men of what dads, of what fathers are supposed to look like. Hallelujah.